Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Orta. I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports athletes and other athletes and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. We just want to thank David Lieb to the Fast Life podcast, Faith in the Fast Life. David Lieb in person, making the trek all the way from Michigan, cutting down through Illinois and through Nebraska, stopped in Boulder and rode bikes for a couple days and uh, made the trek down I-25 and is, is here in person with me today. And I'm honored to have you, David. It's it's just so good to see you, man. Like I, I met David originally at uh, Camp Royal. Uh, this kid's on fire, um, tearing it up. Amazing to be able to ride with you up there um, and just watch you do your thing, man. You definitely are very skilled at your craft and we just pray that the Holy Spirit keeps flooding into you so that you'd be even, it's even more empowered with it, man, to use it. And been encouraging, encouraging you to be bold and to stand out and be willing to just represent this faith, man. So honored, just absolutely honored to have you here, David. So welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. Um, it's an honor to be here and, uh, yeah, it's really good to be here in person. Um, thankful for that opportunity. And overall, just I'm really thankful for the opportunity to work with you and your brand. Um, this From the second I heard about what you were doing and when you asked me to be a part of it, I didn't even have to think about it because I knew this was something I wanted to take on um, as easy or as hard as it may get. You know, it's a it's really good to be a part of it. Yeah. So I'd love to, to touch on that a little bit for the listener. So I uh while at Camp Royal, there's a couple guys, you and Christian both, that we kind of talked about, and it just represented Fast Life. And really what Fast Life is about is is representing Christ in this fast-paced world. So we use Fast Life as a brand that might reach other people, um, and you're a big part of that. So being bold and encouraging you to do that, I'm, I'm so thankful. But you are one of the few Fast Life pros. Um, there's, there's only less than a handful out there. So... Honored to have you on board with that, and and let's let's get your story, man. So let's uh, tell us about David. Like, what what does that look like? What's your childhood look like? Tell me where you came from. So I grew up in Ida, Michigan. Um, I was baptized at seven years old, so I've always been raised in the faith. Um, there's been times where I was a little bit more distant with it, or a little bit more in touch with it, but I definitely have never wavered in my faith overall. So I'm thankful for that. I've never really had like a, a major, um, like a major problem in my life with it. So I'm just thankful to always like have a walk with Christ. Um, that's probably the main thing. But um, when I, when I was 12 years old, that's when I kind of committed my life to the sport of bike riding. So from there, I didn't know where it was going to take me. I just knew I loved riding bikes, and this is what I wanted to do above everything else, uh, like all the other sports that I played growing up. At that point, it was all in the back burner, back burner towards bicycles. Um, so how, how did that start? Like, was that uh, – let's, let's recap just a little bit. So seven years old, you get baptized. You guys go to church regularly, like every Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, so my dad was a Sunday school teacher. Okay. And uh, – yeah, we were always in church, so I'm really thankful for that. We had a really good little community of people at our church, so they're always super supportive, and um, yeah, it's really awesome. Awesome. So that so that stayed with every weekend. So even up to 12 years old, you're con- you're in church, you're following Christ. 
and you get introduced to bikes. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so my passion for bikes kind of stemmed out of a previous passion for motocross. So I had a dirt bike. I always rode. My parents weren't super keen on me racing, so I kind of, I just rode for fun, which is actually, like, looking back, that's a blessing because now motocross is just something I do purely for fun, out of passion, without any pressure to perform. So um, it's completely separate from my uh job i guess you could call it of riding bikes um but then when i was 12 rough life bro (laughs) yeah super rough rough, right i ride bikes for a living (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it has its hard times you know a lot of uncertainty and stability and all that but um when i was 12 that's when i realized that there was more to just riding in the backyard so i on my 12th birthday my mom took me to the skate park for the first time and from that moment on, it was just like game on. Like I'm, I'm ready. Like this is fun. I'm motivated. Like I want to see what happens. And uh, by the time I was 14, my mom continued to drive me to the skate park every every night after school, and she'd work on her computer, read a book or something. And uh, yeah, without her, I couldn't have done it because she was fueling the ability to. Awesome. Go and do it. Were you on BMX bikes at that point? Yeah, BMX okay. bikes from the time that I was 12 to about 18 or 19. So okay. um, I competed in my first professional BMX contest when I was 14. It was kind of a local event. Um, I ended up getting fourth place. So it was pretty cool to jump right into things at a high level just because I was so obsessed. Like I wasn't going to – like I-, I wanted to progress. I wanted to be good at what I did. So I just always was trying to learn new tricks. And then – when I was 16, I competed in Recon Tour, which was like the highest level official amateur national competition. And there was 10 stops around the country. Each stop, they would take the winner. There was five East Coast, five West Coast. They would take the winner and send them all to Florida to compete in Mike Spinner's backyard. So I didn't qualify in the Columbus stop. I didn't qualify in the Indiana stop. But I did take the win in New Jersey that year, which sent me to the finals in Florida. And in Florida, I ended up taking the overall win, which then that really took my career to the next step because then I had a contract with Monster. Um, I had a travel budget. I had the ability to reach new levels. So from there, I... That's 16 years old. Yeah, 16 years old. And then from there, I was able to go to Fies in Montpellier, France, I went to Simple Session in Estonia, and I was kind of just like dusting the surface of competing at the professional level. I wasn't winning the pro contest, but I was there uh, being a competitor. So um, all of that, it taught me a lot. It really, um, there was a lot of really good experiences. I made a lot of good friends. And then I'd say by the time I was 18, 19, about when I graduated high school, I was kind of reaching the point where I was burnt out on the politics of the BMX industry. I was kind of just over-competing, although I still had love for riding. So at that point, I had to get a job. Um, My sponsors were kind of pulling back support a little bit. I think there was kind of a mutual understanding that I was burnt out. And then at 19, I started working at my local bike shop, and that's when I discovered mountain bikes. Um, discovering mountain bikes was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I, once again, I was riding without pressure, without any expectations of myself. I was just riding purely for the love of it. Right. So got back to enjoying riding. So tell me, so about 18 or 19, you start working at the bike shop and and that's when you kind of find mountain bikes and a new love for bikes. 
through the, you know, from 12 to 18 and competing in BMX, you know, going overseas and doing all those other things, like, is there any moments that your faith, like, wavered? Like, was it, was it strong? Like, how were you able to stay connected through all of that? You know, your dad's a Sunday school teacher. Mom's obviously supporting you huge. We all know that it takes a whole family in a house to to keep loving Christ and, and worshiping. And But, like, as you did that, like, were you able to stay connected? Like, were you were you still, you know, following yeah. Christ? So throughout all of that time of riding BMX and traveling, I would say my faith never wavered. Like, I always knew what I believed in. Um, I think there was definitely, I definitely was able to shine a light, like, just through my personality and, like, all of, like, my values. I, I think people definitely noticed. But um, I wasn't super outspoken or strong in my like in presenting my faith to others so i kind of put it on the back burner a little bit but um i never wavered i just wasn't i guess you could say i was lukewarm and the bible right. says not to be lukewarm so right. um it's all just a learning experience and i, oh, I was cool. always searching for an outlet but i never quite found that outlet until later on when i was right. riding mountain bikes and got asked to go to camp royal yeah. well and i'm just you know, I'm curious with it because, you know, obviously if you've listened to my story, I don't know if you listened to the very first podcast or not, but um, in that, like, I didn't grow up with it. You know, I didn't attend church. I didn't start going to church till I was 36 years old. So um, that's five years ago now. Just had a birthday. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, happy so, birthday. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But um, so like, I just wonder how that works, right? Because I go back, you know, there's a lot of similarities, you know, when I was, 12 13 14 15 16 i was riding bmx as well um obviously not a professional level uh, but it was shortly after that as i as we got out of the racing scene and got more into the freestyle scene all of a sudden the alcohol was there and the marijuana was there and those are the avenues i went down um, that was kind of my introduction right we were the punk rockers we had a uh, bicycle chain wallets yeah ourselves yep so I was just curious. I want to know, obviously, you were able to stay straight. You had faith. You had Christ as a background, and maybe you weren't overly outspoken about it, but you had it, and you didn't waver. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely fair to say. <clears throat> I think due to my faith and my upbringing, I was able to avoid peer pressure um, to a standard which I'm, I'm surpri- I surprise myself with my ability to avoid falling to peer pressure. Uh, there, there. I mean, I've had many, many opportunities, a lot of wild nights, but I think overall, like my ability to avoid peer pressure and my ability to keep my heart on what I know is like good and wholesome and true, it's really carried me a long way and kept me on the right track for the most part. Okay, very good. So uh, 18, 19, start working in the bicycle shop, find mountain bikes. Tell me more. Yeah, so working at the bike shop was a really cool opportunity. It taught me so much about how the bikes work. Uh, I learned a lot of skills, like people skills, um, business skills, all that stuff kind of uh, started to take place in my life. And um, also I had like the owner of the bike shop. He was a really, really good mentor, and I'm still really good friends with him. I work with him. I talk to him all the time. His name's Brian Schroyer, and he's a, he's a good, strong Christian as well as the business owner and a retired professional downhill mountain bike racer. Okay. So him is kind of my mentor, has kept me on path as well. Um, he's given me a lot of advice and pointed me in the right direction countless times. Um, 
yeah, so um, that whole relationship has been such a blessing, and I hope it continues for many years to come. Right. So we're up to eighteen, nineteen, and we only have a few more, few more years left. So, so you find this new love for mountain biking? Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think how to put it all together. Uh, when I was 21, that's when I, no, 20. 20 was my first slope style mountain bike competition. Before that, I was doing some downhill racing, some cross country racing. <clears throat> I was doing it all just for fun, really. Yeah. And then when I decided to try my hand at slope style, I figured I would take my BMX freestyle skills, pair them with what I've learned from downhill mountain biking, and you pretty you end up perfectly right on the line of slope style mountain biking. So I signed up for Colorado Freeride Festival, not too far from here actually, out at Winter Park, 2017. And from the moment I made it through the course, I knew for sure that that was what I wanted to do, where I wanted to take my career. And I was willing to do whatever was necessary to make it, really. So I continued to work at the bike shop in the off-season. I'd save up a bunch of money. I bought a Sprinter van with my uh, with my parents' help. And every summer, I was just hitting the road, competing, taking it as far as I can. And not too long after that, I developed support from GT Bicycles, Industry 9 Wheels, a lot of the sponsors that I'm still with today. And um, they, they've taken care of me. And really, it's just been a steady progression since then. So it's, um, I, it's been the craziest three, four years ever. Like right. so much life, so many experiences, so many stories. And really, it's just the fast life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 100% from one stop to the next, to the next, to the next. So tell me about that very first competition. How did you end up in that one? The very first competition, I qualified eighth place in qualifiers and then I made a slight mistake in my finals run which put me at 11th place and that was a gold level event so with that being my first event first event and first result it it gave me like a taste of where I needed to be but I wasn't completely discouraged by like a bad result so I it left me with a lot of motivation that's good that's good so how many more I mean how many competitions do you guys do a year like how many slope style comps are there in a normal year there's like probably six or seven big events okay. and uh plus a couple smaller events or races on the side and i remember hearing you say something about like the points are accrued from event to event yeah so there's a whole structure of points it's uh regulated by the fmba which is the freeride mountain bike association and it's an organization that gives us a structure of points to follow which determines your world ranking Okay. which allows for a lot of opportunities to, comp to compete in bigger events. It's leveraged to negotiate with your sponsors, dependent on your world ranking. And, yeah, it's a pretty cool system. Okay. Gotcha. So you came into that first one, obviously having some, I mean, you found it, right? Better than the BMX world, cooler than cross country. Uh, maybe not quite as fast as downhill, but but definitely cooler than cross country. Yeah, for sure. It was just... It was the perfect blend of everything that I've ever wanted out of bikes. Just the community, really supportive and motivating. I've met some of my best friends, and we've all been able to travel the world together. And, uh, yeah, it's just the opportunity that was there at the time for Slope Style just met perfectly with exactly what I wanted. So as you're getting into these bigger events, I know earlier before the podcast started, you were, we, were, we were talking about the fact that my – 
I sound completely nasally right now, and this is probably the worst sounding podcast I've ever done. Full on sinus infection, and and most of the listeners know that uh, I come out of addiction and alcoholism, and I I did a lot of cocaine in my days, and it's uh, you know, I'm not proud of it uh, at all. But God had a path for me, and like we're sitting here now because of it. So talking about that, and you never went that route, but you mentioned that it's always around you, and you notice it. How do you? I mean, for the listeners, for the young kids, for the old people, you know, we've talked about your your willpower and your faith and the ability to avoid that peer pressure. How do you do that? Like what, what makes that happen? I think a lot of it comes just from the way I was raised with my parents. Um, Both of my parents are pretty clean cut, straight edge. Like they, they drink, but they drink responsibly. And I think that's always been a value that they taught me very well is uh, moderation is key. Um, Drink responsibly Basically, like the Bible says, it says, do not be drunk with wine. But they also, in the Bible, would drink wine, you know. So it's all about balance. And as long as you don't take it too far, then, like, from my perspective, it's like it's okay. But um, I've never had a problem with it. I realize some people develop problems with it, and then it might be best to just cut it out altogether. So as long as you have a balance and know what works for you, then I think that's the best path. Yeah, so the only scary part that I have with that one is that some people, like, especially with cocaine and some of those harder drugs, like, they do it one time, and they didn't really have a choice. Like, they're addicted to it, and it runs in families. So it's it's good to know that your family's not necessarily there, but um, I agree. Like, if there was times that, you know, I could have one drink, I would, but I can't. It's just not me. There's just I'm going too fast, one thing to another. But so having that background and having those roots has helped you be able to abstain from all the other activities and obviously know that cocaine is wrong. Like where's your faith come in that? So my faith, it just, I guess where, where I'm at with it is because of my faith, I need to always be thinking about like how I represent myself to the world as a good Christian. And if you are out living a worldly life, then you aren't going to be that light that needs to shine for the other people that you need to minister to. Yep. No, that's good. And that's I, I, like we talked about earlier, like me encouraging you to just be bold, like, and to be, it's uh, any more in this world, like, in, and in this, the industries, you know, pretty much all action sports industries, there's a few key people that are good Christians, but um, it's almost like you're the outsider, right? Like, you're the outsider. You're the different one. Yeah. Because you're not following the mainstream. And uh, I think it's okay to be completely bold and be willing to stand out. Don't be afraid to stand out and be the light in all of those dark situations when the cocaine's around the marijuana, which I'm sure is so overly prevalent in the industry um, and alcohol and all those things. You're able to have that faith, know where you stand and remember that you're a child of the one true king and let that just let that be your identity as you rock that Camp Royal shirt, right? And we keep looking back to identity. What's my identity? Well, I'm a child of the king. How do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think maintaining that identity is very important. And that's actually something that I'm learning a lot about in this season of my life. Like I said, through BMX, I was lukewarm, as you could say. And then my introduction into mountain bikes was also, I was a bit lukewarm with my faith until the opportunity to go to Camp Royal arose. That really was a, a changing point in my life. I think I was always searching for an outlet, like some way to share my faith 
in a way that would be received well. Yeah. And when camp, when Jarrett Brantley from Camp Royal hit me up and was like, yo, dude, you should come out to camp, I immediately knew that was somewhere I wanted to be and at least, like, see what they stood for and uh, kind of just go there and see what happened. And uh, immediately when I got to Camp Royal, three years ago was the first time I went, I felt I, there was just such a warm welcome. I immediately felt close with everybody, and we all shared the same faith and the same goals. And just the idea of having an action sports camp centered around God was something that I've never experienced before, but it was the most wholesome thing. Um, everything, Everyone there was basically there for, although they're all there for the right reasons, as well as there because they're passionate about their sport. And um, just the community with that place and the message and figuring out my true identity as well as helping others figure out their true identity has really been the most incredible thing in the past few years. And even more so than the last few years, this year kind of spoke to me extra just because there's so much darkness in the world and that place kind of Every time I go back there, it's like a revival. I get fired up on the Lord, and then I can go back out into the world confident and bold, ready to spread the good word. So this year has been incredible, and I'm I'm ready. I'm fired up. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I got to agree. Like me spending the week up there was just uh, fantastic, like a good operation, good people, uh, Christ-like people. So as a plug for any younger generation out there coming up in your sport listening to this, take a, take a look at Camp Royal. See if you can make a... A summer trip up there next year and get involved with them because it's 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 huge really really cool what's going on there and identity is a big part of that big thing and I, I see it in you i got to you know meet you there and spend some time and you and and all the other young men who were you know in this world and i thought it was super cool that to watch you guys but you know you you go there you get plugged in you you get fired up to go back out on the road and, you know, I asked you to be a Fast Life pro and remember Fast Life. Fast Life, you know, by staying plugged into the podcast and different things like that, like you can continue to hear other athletes and hear people willing to shout from the rooftops that they love Jesus. Um, but there's so many other things, and there's there's so much world as you hit your van and you live the van life and you go down the road. How are you helping keep yourself away from the world and stay plugged in? So I think this year, like I said, this year has been a really big eye-opener for me. I've been, since Camp Royal this year, um, I've been reading the Bible more than I have ever before. I've been listening to sermons in the van while I'm driving long distances. And all of that following up with Camp Royal this year has been really, really solid and keeping me strong in my faith. Where I think in years past, as I get farther away from Camp Royal in the year, I start to maybe lean back to becoming lukewarm but really it's just making the effort, staying conscious about where you're at with your faith and like being on fire regularly. And if you stay on fire or if you, if you are on fire, you can stay on fire as long as you make an effort to. Right. Staying plugged in. Like right. You can't, you can't just, it's, it, you gotta, you gotta have the community. We've, it's been a huge topic lately. If it's weird as we do these podcasts, there's always these things that come around. Um, and lately it's, uh, been community and we talk a lot about um your relationship not religion like i don't care if you're baptist pentecostal what, whatever it might be like if you have a relationship with christ but i still don't think that you can just do it on your own 
Like you can't just have a relationship with Christ and, and, and having that prayer life is good. Like I try to stay, I mean, I pray constantly, like having conversations with God, right? And I'd really encourage other people to do that. But that family that you plug into or that other group, kind of like Camp Royal, I mean, that's what you're experiencing when you go to Camp Royal. You're able to plug in with another group of people who are like-minded. And then the iron sharpens the iron, like the Bible says. And that's why you come out of there so charged up. So I'd encourage you, and maybe you're doing it. Are you doing it to where, like, you, as you, you know, on the road, like, are there, are there, is there church sessions at these events? Like, how, how are you doing that? How are you getting the community aspect of it? So through mountain biking, it's really hard because, like you just said, like, there's not much to offer for church sessions or a community within mountain bikes. But I think it's my role to become the light and minister to people. So I need to plug in through Camp Royal, through other community like my church at home, through you, through um, my girlfriend Mackenzie, like everything plugs me in and then I can take that and interject it into the mountain bike community. And that's kind of where I think God is calling me to take my career is to be that light in the mountain bike community. Now that I've like established some level of credibility in the mountain bike community, I can now take that with respect from the people and use it for God's glory. It'd be bold, right? And I know, uh, I think Jarrett and Jake have a little trick up their sleeve coming soon. I don't know if you've talked to them on that at all, but I don't know. I don't want to let too much of the cat out of the bag, but uh, two great guys got something Something stupid. I don't even know the full story yet. So yeah, I don't. I don't know the full story, but uh, Jarrett has let me in on a little bit. So whatever those two are a part of, I want to be a part of it right. as well. So I, I agree. I said we'll slap stickers all over the trucks. Let's go. Right. But uh, man, so you're living the fast life, one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. You're a fast life pro. You're living for Jesus, which is all it takes to be a professional and live for Jesus and be bold in it. You feel like you're being more called. Like, I'm so excited to hear this. Like, it's, I've only known you for a few months now, and I'm just like, like watching the growth is incredible. And uh, talking to Jarrett, who's known you for years, and just seeing where you're going, like, we're, we're encouraged, man. So any point in time throughout this thing that like any big aha moment or any moment where God just stepped into your life and, and just was overwhelming that you want to share with anybody? Um, I mean, like I said, I've been saved. I've been walking with Christ since I was seven, but there's been so many times of being lukewarm. But um, I think, like like I said earlier, this summer was a really big turning point. I think the weight of the world finally kind of like started to cave in on me, which I know it's not supposed to being a Christian, but it, it began to. So I, I think the revival of Camp Royal this summer was the perfect time to like reignite my spirit and, uh, Really, it's just like taking on the taking on the world now, trying to have uh, unworldly eyes, you know, moving forward and see see God's plan as opposed to the destructive plan of humans in the world. So, yeah, um, which is that's super tough. Like for the listeners as well, like it's it's easy. Like we're not supposed to be crumbled. Like that's what they say. Like we're not supposed to be crumbled by this world, but we live in this world. So trying to remember that we are in this world, not of this world right? Like we're living here, but we're not of this world. Like we're, right. we're of the kingdom of heaven, right? We're, we're children of the king. So remembering that can help you. But it's so easy. Social media, news channels, people all around you. It's so easy to get sucked in. 
So you just said unworldly eyes. I like to use biblical eyes. Yeah. Look at everything with biblical eyes. Watch a movie with biblical eyes. And if it's not right and it doesn't seem right, don't watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Close, close your eyes. If it's not, you know when it's not from God. Um, so that's cool, man. It's cool to see him working in you, moving through you. Um, stay plugged in, stay encouraged. So on every episode, we always ask um, if there's one thing that you want to share with the listeners, what's the one thing? I wrote it down in my notes. So um, the other day I was just like, uh, I was listening to a sermon and I was thinking and I was praying and I wrote down on my phone, take the passenger seat with Jesus at the wheel rather than the back seat. So you don't want to be driving your own car. You want Jesus to be driving that car. Like the song, you know, Jesus take the wheel. People say yeah. that a lot. But um, if you're in the back seat, that's kind of where I was for so many years. And at this point, I want to be in the passenger seat. So I think that that spoke to, like I, I was those words were put into me, you know, and t- so take the passenger seat with Jesus at the wheel rather than the back seat. And if you can live by that, then you're going to be on a pretty good track. So I'm going to I'm going to keep trying to live with that and I'm going to roll with it. Yep. So I, I like that when I would interpret that, like when you say that, my interpretation of that is if you're sitting in the back seat, and I think of my kids, right? Sitting in the back seat, one of them's playing on a tablet, playing video games. Maybe one's watching a movie. They're paying no attention to what's going on, and they're missing the fact that that Jesus is at the wheel. Whereas, as I'm driving down the road, and I'm I'm driving, and my wife is next to me, she's she's helping me navigate. She's talking to me. If we're on a long road trip, she's so she's actively involved with me. So as I try to put vision around that whole thing. Maybe this helps for listener. Rather than David sitting in the back seat, not paying any attention, and just knowing that Jesus is there, but eh, cool. I got my video games. I got this. I got whatever else. By sitting in the front seat, you're actively involved. You're right next to him. He's guiding you. You're helping him. You're having community. You're having conversation. You're praying, and you're living life for Christ. Absolutely, and that's the whole message behind it. And um, also. Another thing I wrote down was surrender the fast life when God calls. That's a uh, that's also been speaking to me a lot lately. This whole year has been well. Obviously, last year was a major struggle with just like my job competing. All the competitions were canceled, and then going into 2021, even at the beginning of this year, a lot of our events were being postponed and canceled, and then everything came back on all at once. Once June hit, the fast life had sped up to a rate that I've never seen before. I was being pulled in so many different directions, um, like just going nonstop to the point where I was becoming exhausted. And um, meeting you and your whole Fast Life Ministries, that kind of spoke to me as well as my uh, the Camp, Camp Royal this summer. And when I wrote down surrendering the Fast Life when God calls, I think that was because I was becoming so overwhelmed with everything that I had to just take a step back, think about why I'm here, what I'm doing, and really just uh, kind of formulate a direction that aligns with God rather than my own wills and where the world is pulling me. So moving forward, I'm going to try to keep my eyes and my heart on that. Another struggle. That's That's why fast life is, because we're all going so fast. Like when have you taken time to slow down and just spend time with God? I mean... 
I'm guilty of it. My prayer life is not as good as it should be. Um, I'm bouncing from ministry to business to family to sometimes God gets put on a back burner. That's not right, but uh, I'll repent of it. I'll be better. That's all we can do, right? Yeah, all you can do is consciously make that effort and move in the right direction. Yeah, you better. Man, David, it's been so awesome having you here today. Like, I'm so stoked that you're in the studio. We actually get to be in person. It's super cool. Uh, the audio is going to sound good on your end. My end just sounds like I can't breathe, but, uh, all is good. We move forward. And where are you, where are you off to from here? From here, I'm headed to Arizona for a few days, hopefully slow life down a little bit. And then from there, I'm headed to Reno, Nevada, and then Bend, Oregon for Marzocchi Proving Grounds. So really, really big event coming up. And, uh, I'm going to try to be ready on my bike and ready mentally, and I'm going to give it a go and do the best I can. Yep, awesome. So this episode will probably drop about the time that probably right after that event. So we're gonna we're gonna pray for you to have a great return and and a great showing out there. And hopefully, when everybody listens to this, they're gonna tune in and be like, "Oh wow, David killed it at that event. It was awesome." So we're we're gonna preset that notion right now. Awesome. Thank the, you. I see the I see the gold coming. Um, so yeah, how can uh, how can listeners get a hold of you? Like if they want to follow you on social channels or do that kind of stuff, how do they how do they find David? Yeah, if you want to reach out, uh, Instagram is probably my main source of social media. So I'm pretty good at checking messages and responding to anyone who reaches out. So it's just David Lieb underscore. Um, yeah, you could do that. And then I have a YouTube channel as well. I don't use it as much, but I'm, I think I'm going to try to start posting more on it. So yeah, Instagram or YouTube. Instagram, YouTube, and it's always fastlifeministries.com. You can get the link to all the podcasts out there, or you can go straight to Spotify or Apple, um, as well as YouTube, and then Instagram and Facebook, and uh, just get plugged in. Keep on listening, support, follow, like, listen. That's the name of the game, and we'll just close in prayer today and leave all of our listeners with something. So, Father God, we are just... So thankful to have David here in person with us today, Lord. We know that you're here with us, and we know that this message can go to so many other youth. We don't know who needs to hear it, Lord God, but we know that you'll take it there. So to all of our listeners out there, we pray that you'll bless them today and that you'll bless David on his trip and through his events, Lord God. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.